Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Got a lot of people missing today, man, and so uh, I, it, you know it's it, it's all good because you're here in the house of God, right? And God is here, and and, and we don't need people, but we do need the Lord, and but it, it's always good to worship with friends and family. That's that's the power of. Of, of the church. Amen. So there's a lot of people out missing this morning. They're out of town. Uh, let's be in prayer for them. Also, those who might be might, might have been missing for a, a few weeks. Amen. Um, reach out to them. Thank you. Brother. Thank you. Reach out to them and tell them that they are missed. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, anybody have their Bibles at church? Amen. When I say you turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles uh, 26. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Anybody w- ready for the word this morning? It's a little quiet this morning. It's all good. Amen. Second Chronicles 26. Are you there? Amen. It says this. It says Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. And he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he had sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Verse 8 says, the Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Down to verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of of, uh, mail, bows and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Verse 16 says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense But Azariah, the priest, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord. Then Uzziah was angry. Anybody get angry when they're corrected? Come on. Then Uzziah was angry. And, and now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he had become angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly. And he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper lived a separate, in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God. I pray, Father God, that as you have ministered it to me, Lord, uh, that it would be ministered to your people this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be on my lips, my God, that you would be in our minds and our hearts, that they would be open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. I entitled the message this morning, Stay Weak. Tell the person next to you, stay weak. Not stay woke, stay weak. 
<laughs> Stay weak. I think we've, look, I think we've all heard the phrase. When I was reading this, I think we've all heard the phrase, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, right? And we usually say that to encourage somebody um, who has gone through kind of a rough start. Maybe, maybe you had a rough start to, uh, to your year, but praise the Lord, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You can still end in victory, right? Maybe your business begins rocky and, and you've got a lot of failures and you're not profitable for a long time. But if you stick with it, you can finish strong. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And that's the typical story of all of us as, as Christians, right? We start off in sin. We start off sinful living, maybe drunkenness, maybe addiction, all right? And we try so many different things to kind of fill the void of, of life. And then we find Jesus. And, and Jesus brings life to us, and many of us end with Jesus, right? Now, I find Uzziah's story kind of counterintuitive, because at first, Uzziah begins his reign as a child. He's 16 years old, and he's making decisions on behalf of an entire nation. The whole weight of Israel is on his shoulders. That's crazy pressure for anybody. Now, this is a 16-year-old kid. He probably doesn't know what he's doing. He's probably going through some bodily changes, right, as, as happens with teenagers. He's, he's not really focused on running a nation. He's probably starting to take an interest in girls, right? That's what I was doing when I was 16 years old. But he's running a nation. God has called him to run a nation. And so, in a sense, it would seem that Uzziah started off weak. But look at what verse 4 says. Again, it says, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 5 says that he, uh, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, you hear that? As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. We talked about the fear of the Lord last week. If, if you were here, you, you probably remember. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the beginning of wisdom, right? Because in any area of your life where you wish to find wisdom, you have to do it in the fear of the Lord. You have to do everything that you're doing as if you are doing it in front of God, because if you're doing it in front of God, you will want to be respectful of it. You will want to manage your, 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 your resources well. You, you want to manage your finances, your marriage, your kids well, because you're doing it in front of God. That's the fear of the Lord. And and so Uzziah, he begins his reign in the fear of the Lord. I'm doing this in the presence of God. I want to do it right. The Bible says that he did right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't want to displease God. He wanted to do, to do right by the people of God. So Uzziah had a great start. But it's not how you start. How you finish. And there's a lot of people who know how to start right. You begin the year right. The right goals you buy your little gym membership, buy your little salads, take your little selfies at the gym, talking about getting it today, right? Like, you start off right. A lot of people start off in church. They're like, oh, we're going to take the whole family to church starting in January. We're going to make some changes because we need God in our house. And so you come to church, and it's full in January. And then somewhere along the way, it ain't full anymore. A lot of people, we know how to start right, and that's great, but I would rather you have a rough start and finish than have a great start and not even make it to the finish line. And that's the case for a lot of people, a lot of people. In verse 16, it says, it records the beginning of Uzziah's destruction. It says, but when he was strong, 
he grew proud to his destruction. So this is the counterintuitive part for me, right? Uzziah started weak, but he ended strong. I'm saying like he was 16 years old. He was dependent on others. He was this weak kid and God was giving him all the favor. And then when all the victories and all the success started to go to his head, he grew strong and he began to depart from the Lord. It would have been better for Uzziah to stay weak because when he was weak, everything was going well for him externally. God was giving uh, Uzziah's enemies over to his hands because when he was weak, he was dependent on God. He was seeking God. And I think one thing that is true for so many Christians, I would say probably every Christian, every Christian has gone through this, is that in a moment of weakness, you, you listening this morning? In a moment of weakness, you probably pray harder. You probably pray stronger. You probably uh, seek God more. And then when God pulls you out and you're no longer in that moment of weakness, now you're in a moment of success and you have victory and you're walking around with a little bit more confidence and a little bit happier because things are going well. You probably don't pray as long. You probably don't pray as hard. And you're probably not seeking God daily like you were when you were weak. And so as a result, when you are strong physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, you're actually probably weaker spiritually. I'm not saying that's always the case, but it's probably the case most of the time. And then when you're in a season of physical and mental and financial weakness, what are you doing? You're going to God in prayer. You are seeking him like you've never sought him before. And so your spirit is probably being strengthened because you're learning how to depend on God more. What what does Paul say? He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, I'm strong. That's because when we are weak and depending on God's strength, as a child of God, you begin to realize that you are actually stronger than you think because God is with you. So as counterintuitive as it may be, we are better off staying weak. Paul says, look, I, I boast in my weakness. But before that, he says, I have a lot of reason to boast in my strengths. I can go on and on about all my accomplishments. I've got the education. I've got the experience. I've I've got the reputation. I've got all of this. But in order, what does he say? In order for me not to become conceited, God gave me this thorn in my flesh. And I wish I knew what it was. I wish I knew what it was because it says that he pleaded with God three times. Lord, take this away Take this away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's what he tells Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. God will keep you weak if it means teaching you a lesson. You know, you know, um, losing, losing is something that needs to be taught. Right? Like if you're a parent, you have to teach your kids how to lose. Because you don't want to, you don't want to raise sore losers, right? When, when Layla was old enough to start playing board games with us, I never went easy on her. Like she was three years old. We started playing shoots and ladders, bro. I, I crushed her shoots and ladders, crushed her, crushed her dreams. Right. And, and, and it, it was rough at first, you know, she would, she would throw the fit and everything. Uh, we start, I started to teach her chess because one thing I enjoyed growing up, me and my dad, we would play chess. And so I taught Layla how to play chess. And, she, and so every now and then we play. And I never let her beat me. And I tell her, I'm not going to let you beat me. 
And she says, I don't want you to beat me. I, I, she's got a little competitive spirit in her. And, and I like that, but you kind of have to check it as well. But I never let her lose. And a lot of times at first, you know, she would, she would lose and she would cry and she'd throw the fit and she'd throw the game and she'd be like, this is a stupid game. I'm never playing this ever again. If you ever play Monopoly with family, it's just like that with Layla, right? <laughs> but we had to teach her how to lose. We had to have conversations with her. This is what you do when you lose. You have to teach your kids how not to be sore losers. Nobody wants to play with a sore loser. You have to, you have to teach your kids also how when they lose, not to be so hard on themselves. Because they'll, they'll, they'll be hard on themselves, man. Some people will grow up never wanting to take risks because they're going to think, man, I'm just going to lose all the time. They're going to think, think everybody else is better than them. You have, to, you have to teach them a certain mindset that comes with it. You have to teach them how sometimes you're the, you're the blame because of your loss. Because a lot of times when we lose, what are we doing? We're blaming everybody else. You have to learn how to lose. And so I'm convinced that when God has us in these moments of weakness or these moments of loss or these moments of trial, what it, it's an opportunity to learn something. It's an opportunity to learn humility, to learn dependence on God, to learn faith, to learn trust, right? And I think so many of us, we go through those lessons. You might be in one of those moments right now and God is teaching you, look, you ain't got nothing. You're forced to depend on me. You're going to learn how to depend on me. Things aren't going your way. You are forced to have faith in me. And so we go through these lessons when we're in the moments of weakness. But here's what happens. Many times we don't transfer those lessons to our moments of success. We, we went through the lesson, but we don't apply it. We don't apply it in the moments of success. What you learn in weakness is supposed to uh, is supposed to go with you, stay with you in the moments of success. And then when God humbles you in those moments of success, I think it's because you probably failed the test. You failed to learn anything from those days where things were rough. You remember the, the, the Israelites when they were captive in Egypt? What did they say? They were crying out to God, Lord, save us. Somebody save us. Get us out of here. Redeem us. And then God sends Moses and he saves them and, and, and they're out, of, out of, of, of captivity and they're on their way to becoming their own nation and their own place. And then several centuries later, if you read Isaiah, it talks about these same people, the same people of God. Now they're a powerhouse of a nation. Now they're a blessed nation. God has been giving all the enemies over to them and they're prosperous, but the people at the top are oppressing the poor. They failed to learn. They failed to remember the position that they were in when they were weak. And they didn't take it with them in their moment of victory. But I think God will teach us lessons in our, in our weakness that are supposed to transfer over to moments of success. And some of us just don't learn, man. We just don't learn. That's why it's a, it's a cycle. It's over and over and over again. We have, our, we have our highs and we have our lows. And we have our highs and we have our lows. And our highs are never higher and our lows are never lower because we're not learning anything. And so this is, God will teach you lessons in your weakness that are supposed to transfer to your moments of success. And I think that this is where Christians fall apart. I think, I don't think Christians fall apart when, when life is hard. I think Christians fall apart when life is good. 
counterintuitive, right? But seriously, I think Christians are made in the rough. Christians are made in the struggle. You know what I'm saying? That's where Christians are made. Because you're forced to depend on God because you've got nothing. So Christians are made in the weakness. People are running to God in moments of weakness. When, when, when life is hard, what are you doing? You are on your knees. You are praying to God. You are crying out to God. You pray way harder than you do in your weakness than you do when, in your victory. Remember, I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers, but the, 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 the Sunday after September 11th, long time ago, I wasn't even in church at that time. But I remember hearing that all the churches all around America were full. They were full. Why? Because we just we cling to God in moments of vulnerability and moments of insecurity and moments where we need him. That's when we run to God. But it's in the seasons of striving. That's when people start to lose God. Because God elevates them. God, God gives them a little bit. God, God gives them some resources, and now they begin to depend on the resources, and they forget the God who gave it to them. That's where Christians fall apart. This is why Jesus says it is so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It has nothing to do with the wealth. It has everything to do with its dependence. So, so when you're out of those, when you're out of those seasons of, of weakness, and when the bills are paid... We're always talking about when the bills aren't paid, trust in God. When the bills are paid, when there's an excess, when you look at your bank account and you're pleasantly surprised, right? When your health is restored, when life is good, can you remember what God did for you? Can you remember it? There's there's this parable in Matthew of the unforgiving servant. Probably know where I'm going with this. This man owed a king a large sum of money. Right. And so he goes to the king and he begs for mercy. He says, look, I'm going to get you paid. Just give me some more time. I promise I will get you paid. And the king, instead of saying, OK, I'm going to give you more time. I'm going to give you an extension. He says, you know what? I'm just going to cancel the debt. Go. You're free. Woo. Lord, make me the man in the parable, Lord. I mean, what a freeing moment for him. He probably goes out and I mean, it's it's he's. A weight is lifted from his shoulders. He's probably on cloud nine. No more student debt. I can get a mortgage now, right? He's grateful. And then the Bible says that he finds this man who owes him money. And instead of paying it forward, what does he do? The the man goes up to him and he's like, hey, uh, can you give me some more time? And the man says, no, I'm going to throw you in jail because you owe me money. He failed to learn from his moment of weakness. And this is, this is why God is constantly reminding the people of, of, of Israel in Scripture, remember what I pulled you out of. Remember it. Remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for your forefathers. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. You were captive. Remember that you were once dead in the trespasses of your sins. Remember what I did. Because I believe that one day we are all going to be in a position where we will need to extend the grace and the mercy to someone else that has been extended to us. Church, let me tell you, man, there will be a day, if it hasn't happened yet, where where the same mercy that God showed you will be tested. It will be tested. There's going to be people that come into your life that you don't like. There's going to be people that come into your life who did you wrong. 
and you might have the upper hand. But God is testing you. Can you forgive them the way that I forgave you? Can you extend grace to them the way that I extended grace to you? There will be a day, church. Man, has anybody ever been humbled by God? Come on, come on. <laughs> yes. God may have you in a humbling moment right now. You may, you may be humbled right now. You might feel unseen or unheard you, at work or in ministry or at church. You feel like your opinion doesn't matter. You might, you might feel like you're standing in somebody else's shadow. You might feel, man, you, you were making more a year ago, and now you're making a fraction of what you used to be making. Maybe right now you're driving a little beater when, before you were rolling up in, in a Mercedes or something. God has humbled you. There's going to be a day, and I don't say this prophetically, okay? I just say this because life is long, and there's bound to be a moment of high and low. There's going to be a day where the lessons that you learned in the humbling moment will be tested in the season of victory. Because sooner or later, you will be confronted with praise. You will be confronted with applause and promotion and, and, and uh, opportunity and elevation and maybe a new job. And if you can't bring the humility that you learned in your weakness to your success, you will have failed to learn anything. Come on, someone's, someone's feeling that message this morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, church? Are you getting it? It's not always going to be rough for us. Praise the Lord. There's going to be a day where you come out. You come out of that rut. There's going to be a day where you start making some money again. There's going to be a day where, where you conquer that thing that has been defeating you for such a long time. There will be a day of victory. Can you keep the humility? Can you keep that weak, that, that, that weakness? You know, if, if, if Numa Church ever gets to this point of, we were talking about this the other day, me and Pastor Danny, we were talking about this. If Numa Church ever gets to a point where, you know, we, we get to a, a, a point of notoriety or fame for, for the church, you know, like Hillsong or Elevation, whatever it is. It might be a, a post that goes viral, a sermon that goes viral. It may be a miracle that everybody hears about. That, that's what I would prefer. But if, there's, if that day comes, and look, there's nothing wrong with recognition, okay? I, it's, we shouldn't hate on churches just because they're known, okay? It's when the church and the leadership and the pastor forgets humility. That's where the problem is. And if that ever happens, and I start rolling up here thinking I'm all that, I want, I, we all need to hold each other accountable. And I need you to tell me, pastor... Sermon was all right. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the best. You've done better, right? Go easy on me, right? But, but we got to keep each other humble. Pastor, thank you for your obedience, but all of this wasn't your doing. This is the Lord's doing. Failures, failures humble people, but success puffs us up. I don't want to be humbled my whole life. Like, I don't want to be humbled. I want to be humble. I don't want to be humbled. I, I, I want the victory. I want some success. Nobody wants to be failures. We want to succeed, but we need to succeed while remaining humble. 
Last week I met with our leaders, Spanish and English. I just I wanted to reshare the vision with them. And, you know, a, a, a church will always walk in the vision of, of its leadership, of its pastors. Now, that's always an awkward conversation with me because I never want to come across as like, look, I'm the pastor. This is my vision. Better respect it. Right. I, that's that's cringe to me. Right. This is not this is not a company. This is Lord's work. A church is not its pastor. I've always said that. So I remind myself, I have to remind myself, this is not my vision. This is not my vision. It's the Lord's vision. He's granted it to me as the overseer of the church. I'm simply the messenger. I'm simply the one that will say, as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me, my house, we will be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so I never want to prove to God that I didn't learn the lessons when I was in a moment of weakness. So, so God may take this ministry, he may take you to new highs, but we must always remain weak. And when I say weak, guys, look, when I say weak, I mean more like, like, like Jesus says, meek. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I don't mean stay sick. I don't mean stay broke. I don't mean stay start, uh, struggling. I mean, keep that humility. Keep that mindset that you had when you were weak, because in your weakness, you did the right things. It led to you seeking God day in and day out. It led to the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It led to you fearing God in everything. That's what it means to stay weak. That's what it means. And I thank God for my wife who will never let me get too big headed. All of the confidence built up over the years from my from my mommy. Right. That's what moms do, man. Moms over inflate. <laughs> At least my mom, she thinks I'm the best, the best of three children. Right. <laughs> Alexa can say amen. Uh, she thinks I'm the most handsome, the funniest. You'll be the first one to share a post or like a post or anything like that. And I love that she's like that. But my wife, she keeps me grounded. <laughs> she's like, oh, come down here, bro. <laughs> Thank God for moms and wives. They create a good balance. But Uzziah, look, look, verse 15 again. It says, in Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful uh, men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones and his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So Uzziah became strong. He became strong, meaning he was no longer dependent on people. He probably didn't need as much help from the royal council and he probably think that he didn't need to seek God as much. I mean, look, look at the point where he's at. He's, he's famous. He's inventing these great machines of war. He became, he's becoming strong. And so all of this goes to his head. And he thinks that he's untouchable. He thinks that he's unquestionable. Man, I, 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 can't, I can't stand preachers, man, who think they're the most anointed person. They're like the second coming of Jesus in their head, man. And they come, they preach, and they preach great, man. They got a great ministry. But then they leave, and they're like, nobody touch me. Nobody talk to me. I got to go. Like fellowship is beneath them. Uzziah got to this place in his head where there was a lot of good that was happening, right? God, God let those good things happen. But he thought that he had something to do with it. And so... In his mind, I'm untouchable, I'm unquestionable, I can do whatever I want. And so verse 16 says that he was unfaithful to the Lord. Uzziah was unfaithful 
to God. And he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah, the priest, went with him and 80 priests of the Lord who were with, uh, with him, men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and they said, it's not for you to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests. Go out to the sanctuary for you have done wrong. So this was it, man. This was, this was the moment. This was, this was his moment of destruction. Because he had lost all fear of the Lord. He didn't fear God anymore. And he expected everybody else to fear him. That's what pride does, guys. That is what pride does. That's what strength does. If we don't keep it in check, that the, the moment you stop thinking you need God, that's when you start to turn from God. And if you turn from God, what are you doing? You're walking by yourself. You're a sheep without a shepherd. And you're going to get killed. I fear for people who leave the church. Maybe they came in a moment of, of weakness and they leave in a moment of strength. I got to figure it out. I'm good. I don't, I don't need to come all the time anymore. I'm good. I don't need to bring my family. My family's in a healthy place. My marriage is better. We're good. And so you're out there as a lone sheep. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying you're out there as a lone sheep. And sheeps get killed. You're out there walking on your own success, on your own victories. And people know you and people love you and you're good at what you do. But you begin to walk at a distance from God. Pastor Danny said this last week. He said, he said everybody wants to be a lion. Lions are majestic, they're beautiful, they're awesome, they're my, probably my favorite animal. I love lions. But you know what Jesus said we were? Sheep. Exactly, everybody start banging right now. <laughs> we need to do the, instead of, instead of the song lion, we'll write one sheep. Instead of roaring, we'll just bat. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a sheep, man. And, and, you know, if a sheep ever thinks that he's a lion, he's going to get killed. That's, that's the great deception of our day. That's the great deception. Everybody wants to be a lion. Everybody wants to be, be strong. Nobody wants to be a sheep. But that's what Jesus said we were. And so a lot of times what happens is in our weakness, we're okay being sheep. Because in our weakness, what do we need? Direction. I'm happy to be a sheep. Lord, tell me what to do. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Guide me. I want to hear your voice. I hear your voice and I respond to you and I submit to your will. I'm a sheep. You know, you know when I do pastoral counsel, uh, counseling, I never counsel somebody who's in the best season of their life. That's typically how it works, or not how it works. You don't, you don't go to counseling when things are well. You go to counseling when, when, when you're having some issues in your marriage. When you have issues, when you have weakness. You go to counseling when something traumatic happened in your life. You go to counseling when somebody's struggling, when you have thoughts of suicide, that's when you go to counseling. You don't go to counseling when everything's great. Even though you still need direction when things are great. 
And so I've, I've, I've realized I only counsel people when they're desperate. And so I, I have to assume that it's also like that in our relationship with God. We go humbly to him in moments of weakness. I'm a sheep. I will follow you. But when everything is great again, reliance. Or we think reliance. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning, you can be the most talented, most gifted, most intelligent, most anointed sheep in all the sheep pen, but you're still not a lion. Uzziah still had to answer to the Lord. He still had to observe the law of the Lord. But for a moment, he thought he was a lion. He thought he was above it. He thought because of his strength, because of his accomplishments, he didn't, he didn't, need, to, he didn't need to submit to anything or anybody. And so the latter part of his reign, it ended in, in tragedy. He was a leper. His son had to step in for him. He couldn't finish strong because in his head, he was the source of his strength. Now, I don't, I don't know who this, this message is uh, for this morning. You may be in, in, in one of the two. You may be in a moment of weakness. You may be in a moment of strength. I believe that, you know, messed up people aren't the only ones who come to church. And it shouldn't be like that either. The church is for the hurting. It is for the broken. It is for the sick. But it's also for the healthy. Not, not for the self-righteous but the ones made righteous by Jesus. And so you might be in that moment where, thing, where everything is good. If I, if I asked you what I could pray for today, you might not say a thing. Praise the Lord. Things are good right now. It's not going to stay like that forever. I don't mean to burst bubbles, but it's, it's not. But in any season, weak, strong, you still need the Lord. You still need that meekness. And so cling to the words of the Apostle Paul, man, when he says, he says this to the Philippians. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. What is the secret, Paul? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's him. It's him who strengthens me. Not to do what I want to do. Not to go out and play basketball and I could be the best, right? We all know Philippians 4.13 is one of those verses that we just, <laughs> we just use and abuse it, right? What Paul is saying here is, is that God is always my constant, right? Because seasons change. Seasons change. They're variable. Today it's hot. Tomorrow it's cold. Tomorrow it's sunny. The next day it's rainy. Like it's, we're, we're always in these different moments, but God is always the same. So whether in seasons of strength, whether in seasons of weakness, his strength is constant. Imagine, imagine what God would do in a person who already has an abundance, but still seeks God. Imagine that for a second. Imagine the, per, imagine the rich person going to God as if he is a poor person. Saying, Lord, I am nothing. I need you. Lord, all that I have is only because of you. Lord, I need you. I need you through everything that I have. 
Imagine, imagine if Christians did that. Imagine the, the power that we would have as, as a community of believers if we sought God, not when we were just weak, but when we were also strong. Imagine the favor. I don't want my spirit strong only when things are rough, man. I want my spirit strong, even, even stronger when the blessings are pouring in. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Stay weak. Stay weak, church. Where's the, I want to ask the band to come up. I have been seeking God. <clears throat> I've been, I, I've, I have sought God in moments of weakness, probably more, more so than I have in moments of strength. I'll be the first to admit it. And in those moments, man, I learned so much from God. God, God truly does teach you in the testing. He really does. He teaches you in the trial. He teaches you how to, how to depend on him. He teaches you faith. God has taught me faith. God has taught, taught me uh, trust. He's more than anything. You know what he's taught me? He's taught me peace. Peace. And then when moments are good, it's so easy not to seek God the first thing I do in the morning. Because so much of what we seek God for is tied to our season of weakness. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be like that. It should be like Moses, who, when he had that answered prayer, and he had everything that he needed, God's presence was going to go with him into, into the promised land. He says, God, I still want more of you. Give me more of you. I want to know you more. I want you to know me more. I want to have an experience and an encounter with you. When he was strong, when God was with him, when he was going to have the victory, when he was going to enter the promised land, he still said, God, I need you. I want you. There's a song that they sang in in Spanish, I asked them to sing it here. But in Spanish, I, I, I can't remember how it is in English. Um, but it says in Spanish, no puedo más. I can't anymore. I can't go on any further. See, that, that's, that's when we need God more than anything. More than anything, when we have exhausted all of our resources, everything, anything that I can do, that's when God steps in. And that's when he does a miracle. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, lazy and just expect God to do everything all the time. Sometimes we need to, we need to carry our weight. We need to do what we need to do. But when we can't anymore, when we have hit that moment of weakness, God, I've, I've used all my strength up until this point. That's when God steps in. But we need to always carry 
that weakness in our mind. Uzziah, he was not a man without limits. He might, he might have been elevated to a certain point, but he still had limitations. But pride killed him. That's what pride does. It kills you. Pride goes before destruction. Pride says, pride is that denial that you need help. And can I tell you, even in your moments of highs, you still need the Lord's help. You still need God. If things are great for you right now, and this is what I spoke about a few weeks ago. I spoke about, I felt like God was saying that there was a spirit of dormancy. That dormant spirit that just shuts you up doesn't allow you to praise doesn't allow you to seek because it has convinced you that you are not in need of anything the spirit of dormancy and so we have people in the church who are not moved by the spirit they're not moved by the worship they're not moved by the word they don't come up to the altar they never need prayer because everything is good there is a spirit of dormancy convincing them that they don't need God and I'm here today to rebuke that spirit to tell you that you always need God I don't care how much money you make I don't care how nice your house is I don't care how healthy you are you still need God I want to break that this morning we would always approach the Lord in meekness and weakness because when we are weak then we are strong why don't you stand this morning as we see God and we're going to sing that song how we need you Lord we're not enough my Lord not enough my God come on can you just say that this morning can you just admit that right now in your words Lord I'm not enough I'm not enough I'm not I'm not I'm not enough I need you but as you say that as you say that I, I encourage you to mean it I encourage you to 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 to, to put your weight on it Lord I'm not enough I need you I need to hand this over to you Every good thing in my life is because of you. Keep me meek. We worship you. I want to invite you this morning to the altars. I want to invite everybody to the altars this morning. To have a moment in the Lord's presence where he exposes how weak we truly are and how much we truly need him. Come on, I'm, I'm inviting everybody here this morning. Come on, just have a moment in the presence of the almighty God and let him wrap you in, your, in his arms and let him, let, him, let him make you feel how small we truly are before the creator God. Come on, can we just do that and have a moment in his presence? Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.